Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 174, and I'm talking with Sarah Hall. This is the third time Sarah has been on the podcast. She was actually one of the very first professional runners I ever had on my show. And she was so kind to do that back in the day when I was first launching my podcast. I remember it was like a dream big moment when she responded to my email and agreed to come on. But I've had her on since. I had her on after she won CIM in 2017. And I'm so excited. Sarah was planning to run the Boston Marathon last year and became injured and was unable to run. So she's going to be running this year. If you don't know Sarah Hall, she's kind of a big deal and really fast. She's a 226 marathoner, a 69 minute half marathoner, and she had a lot of experience on the track before transitioning to the marathon. She's married to retired runner Ryan Hall, and they have four daughters who they adopted from Ethiopia in 2015. We talk in this episode a lot about her training leading up to this Boston and what Her cycle has looked like coming off injuries and how this is the longest she's gone without racing since she started running way back in the day. I love Sarah's outlook on running, on life, on parenting, and always enjoy catching up with her. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with her. I am so cheering for her in Boston this year and in the trials in 2020. Before we get started talking with Sarah, I want to encourage you guys to come to Indianapolis and sign up to run the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon. This race is Saturday, May 4th. It is my favorite half marathon. I've been running it for years. It was actually my very first half marathon back in 2005, and I've ran it almost every year since. It's flat, it's fast, and you get to run on the iconic Indy 500 track. I've got a lot of friends coming to run this race. We're gonna do a meetup at the Expo, a shakeout run on Friday, And we're having a big after party at Athletic Annex on that Saturday. You guys can register and get $7 off when you go to IndieMini.com slash register and use the code ANOTHER19. I really hope to see you at the race. Send me a message on social media and let me know if you'll be there if so. All right, you guys. If you're running Boston this weekend, best of luck. Maybe I'll see you at my live show at 5 o'clock at the Sheridan. Maybe not. Either way, don't worry about the weather forecast. It's going to be what it's going to be. Just bring what you need to bring to be prepared to run in whatever weather it may be and soak up the day. It's going to be really exciting. Best of luck. Embrace the crowds. Embrace the Newton Hills. Embrace all the downhill. You are going to do great. And I will be out there running with you. Probably not feeling the best in the last 10 miles because I'm very barely minimally prepared. I did the bare minimum to be prepared enough to show up uninjured and run the race, but I'm really excited and I feel like it might be one of my most emotional marathon finishes I've ever done because, um, yeah, life has changed a lot. Adding a fourth baby and, and fitting in the training and figuring that out paired with being pretty tired from having a fourth kid has been an interesting uh, juggle. I guess that might be the right word, but I'm excited and I'm excited for all of you guys. And for those of you who are out there hoping to make it to Boston one day, I hope this weekend serves as some inspiration for you to be at that starting line one day. All right, you guys enjoy my conversation with Sarah Hall. 
All right. Well, we have Sarah Hall on the show. I want to say for the third time, pre-Boston 2019. Welcome back, Sarah. Thanks for having me back. You are my third time reoccurring guest. I always say this, but... You know, I was so stoked the first time I interviewed you because I was brand new to this podcasting thing. And here we are three years later. I know. It's fun to see you just keep with new opportunities out at New York Roadrunners and everything. I love it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, last time we talked, you had just won CIM. So it was 2017. You ran the 228, won CIM. Um, you were going to run Boston, but then injury kept you away. So let's talk about that a little bit before we get into Boston this year. What happened? What happened before Boston last year? Yeah, well, going into Boston, um, I, I have a lot of respect for the course. And that year, I definitely wanted to be ready for the hills, especially the downhills. So um, I was training pretty aggressively um, as it was. And, and I also hadn't had like an overuse injury in a while. So I was like, I kind of want to find my lines. I want to like be more aggressive. And um, so I was actually, it was like the first or second day I was up in Mammoth Lakes for a training stint and they got this crazy storm. And so I, I went on this run. I wouldn't normally go on kind of plummeting down a mountain that was kind of rocky and I tripped and I, I wrenched my SI joint really badly. Um, and that ended up taking, I think I was out like four weeks of no running. Um, so it was, it was unfortunate. I, and who knows, it could have been injured without the fall. That might've been like what just sent it over the edge. But, um, but yeah, I was just biking from then until, um, till I think, uh, April, it was pretty much the whole month of March, man. Okay. So when you ran the two twenty eight in CIM, when, and then was it the next, was it the fall after Boston that, that you did the two twenty six in Ottawa? That was. So, um, so after the SI joint, I had eight weeks of running before Ottawa. Um, and I was like, yeah, I want to run a spring marathon. I don't, <laughs> you know, this is about as late as it can get. So it was kind of my plan B, but it worked out. When was that? So is that like a June race? It's the last weekend of May. Okay. All right. 226. What's that course like? You know, it's, it's a flatter course. Um, it's not as flat as I, I kind of expected it to be. There's there's like bridges and the second half actually from like 20 K to 30 K is, is quite hilly. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't like a Chicago, but it was definitely runnable. Okay. And then you also had third place at peach tree, which was like, I feel like everybody was talking about peach tree over the summer because Steph Bruce won. And then we had Alephine and you, and it was like such a big race. What, what kind of confidence builder was that for you? Yeah, Peachtree was fun. Um, you know, it was actually more of kind of an afterthought for me because I had run the Gold Coast Half Marathon, I think like two two or three days before in Australia. Two or three so that, days before? Yeah. I don't think was, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, that was like my goal race after Ottawa was like to try to keep my fitness going since wow. I, had, I hadn't been running that long and, try, and run a PR. So I was able to... Um, run a PR there and then just hopped on a very long <laughs> 24 or 30 hours of flying and was like, well, I'm going to give it whatever I've got. And really, so was, yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait. Okay. So I knew you ran the 69, but I didn't know it was that weekend. So that was a half marathon PR. And literally it was like four days later you did peach tree. It was, so the half marathon was July 1st and then Peachtree is July 4th. So there so was days in between. <laughs> why tell me your thought process? Like, why did you decide to jump in? 
Well, um, it was going to be the end of my season. So I was going to take a little break after that. And I loved a race. Like my personality is, is like to be like Yuki, the Boston marathon winner, how he like races all the time. Uh So I I joke with my agent that like after 2020, I'm going to go like full Yuki and just like race whenever I want to. Love (laughs) So, um, so I think that this was just like one opportunity of like, Oh, it's the end of the season. Like this is the kind of antics I would do more often if I could, but, um, but yeah, and also just with the marathon trials being in Atlanta, like I had always had good experiences at Peachtree, but it had been a little while since I'd ran there. And so I just wanted to keep building those good memories in that city. That is so cool. So did you feel a little bit of pressure off? Like, okay, I just ran a half marathon PR. I'm just going to like do what I can do. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like for fun. And, and that's, I mean, that's how the road championships are for me anyways. But yeah, I, I was like, I'm just going to go for it. And love that. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a good little battle out there. I enjoyed it. I love that mindset. Is Josh Cox your agent? He is. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. I had no idea you did Peachtree after uh, that half. That's so awesome. And then uh, tell me about what the fall looked like and your thoughts. Like, was it a no brainer that you were going to do Boston this year after it wasn't able to happen last year? It definitely gave me more incentive to do it um, because I haven't run Boston before. So I'm like dying to, yeah. to get out there. It's been so long overdue. I've, I've watched Ryan just come alive there multiple years. And um, I've run like the mile there quite a bit um, at the finish and just gotten to experience it. But um, a little bit, but not not the full thing. So, so yeah. I, and I think also with the marathon trials being a hilly course, I think it'd be just a great preparation for that just to to learn myself more on that kind of course um but yeah in the fall I actually um I I ran the Frankfurt marathon but unfortunately I wasn't able to finish due to a peroneal tendon injury that kind of just popped up like a little over a week before the race so um so that was a big bummer because it was kind of like my shot to run fast knowing I was going to do Boston in the spring but um but yeah, hopefully I'll have another opportunity soon. Yeah. So do you think the Hills and Boston, like, is that the type of course that lends to your strengths? Like if you had to define what kind of runner you are, as far as like, I'm really great on a fast course. I'm, I'm a beast up the Hills. What would you say? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I've never run the course. So I think I'll know more um, a week from tomorrow, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think that Boston will play to my strengths in some ways. Like I love to compete. I love to, um, like I have a strong finish of the race. And so Boston's a race that typically isn't as much of a time trial kind of race. So, um, I think I, I'm someone that loves like atmosphere in races. So I, I think you can't really get much better than Boston as far as like the crowd and the atmosphere. Um, and I've really worked on the hills a lot in this buildup as far as like getting my quad strong for that in the downhill. So, so we'll see how they do. Yeah, it is. That is an interesting concept because you just think about obviously last year's just like a total wash with the weather and everything, but you yeah. do just think about the strategy and that like nobody's racing for time there. Everybody's kind of just like seeing who's going to do what. Um, so do you kind of envision yourself just going out with everybody and seeing who makes moves where, like, do you have a strategy? Yeah, I have a loose kind of, I've, I've thought through different scenarios and what I'm going to do, but really it's, I trust my race instincts. Like I've been doing this kind of a while now and, um, and I, I've gotten to watch Ryan race it really well a couple times. So I think, um, 
I think I'm just going to kind of rely on what's in there instincts wise. <laughs> Where's Ryan going to be on the course? Does he have a couple spots or will he just be at the finish? That's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure what he's going to do. I think he's going to go out to the start with me and then it's always a little tricky, uh, getting back yeah. in the process, but <laughs> I think he's going to try to get out on the course a few times. And so tell us what are some like just tips and words of wisdom he's given you about the course specifically from racing so well there. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan, I feel like kind of approaches the course different than most people do. Like most people are like, don't go too hard on the downhills. It's going to beat you up. Like, you know, all this stuff. And Ryan's like, the downhills are like free time. (laughs) I'm just using those. And like, yeah, and like it was a t- when it was a tailwind, he's like, I'm going to run every mile of this course and just like got right after it. Um, and most people don't approach it that way. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think I, um, he, he says like what worked for him and then I have to filter it to like, I'm a different kind of athlete too than he is. But, um, but yeah, I think he, uh, I'm trying to think specifically of, of stuff he, gave me as far as advice. But, um, I, I mean, I think mainly what he did is just some of the routes I did in Flagstaff. He really simulated what I would face at the course and kind of the, the parts where it's hardest putting those in the, the part of my workout that was going to be the hardest and things like that. Um, I did a lot of like, you know, from half, from one third to two thirds, that's uphill and then finishing with some downhill to try to like, really use that when your legs are beat up, which I think is, is one of the keys of Boston. Yeah. So, you know, everybody talks about heartbreak Hill. Um, but in my very non-professional experience, like that's what my issues at Boston have always been like running on the downhill, like at the end of the race after heartbreak Hill, my my quads are just like shredded up. Um, so you think the practicing on those similar type of courses are going to keep that from happening? I hope so. Um, you know, I haven't, I've had a shorter buildup also due to injury this year. So I haven't had as much like pounding as I would have liked going in as far as like mileage and, and the Hills. Um, but, but so far I've had some really good workouts in on a similar kind of course. So I'm hoping that that translates over. Yeah. Will your girls go out to Boston? They're not. Um, we thought about bringing them, but then we, decided they'd probably enjoy going to Cancun the next weekend more. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to do that instead. <laughs> oh, family vacation at the week after Boston? Yeah, Easter weekend. Okay, fun. Day. I was going to say, is it spring break for them? It's not, but they get some extra days off because of Easter. So that'll be nice. Oh, so fun. Um, tell me about, I saw on Instagram that you posted this as your longest stretch of racing since you start like not racing since you started running. So is that because of the injury break that you had to take? It is. Yeah. Um, so the peroneal injury was the longest injury of my career. The one that, um, I tried to run through at Frankfurt and had to drop out. And, um, I, I just ran through so much pain out there that, um, as soon as I stopped, I couldn't put weight on it for, like a week and a half I was on crutches mm. and it's, it's crazy what you can like, you can go from running like five thirty miles to then not being able to like walk at all. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wow, I was blocking out a lot of pain. Um, but yeah, so that one, I, I think I was out like 
maybe a little over seven weeks. So, um, so that one, as well as coming back, um, the more I ran on it, the, the stronger it was getting, but it wasn't quite, my stride wasn't quite normal cause it wasn't quite strong enough. So I had some other injuries as a result of like kind of compensating until my stride got like a hundred percent. So, um, so now thankfully I'm like hundred percent healthy and my stride is right and everything. But, um, but yeah, as a result, I, it was, it's been crazy to go, gosh, it's going to be like six months almost mm. of no racing when, when, and when I mentioned that I'm naturally a Yuki kind of person, that's, that's a really long time. Yeah. You're going to be unleashed <laughs> in Hockington. Yeah. I know. I got to like contain it in the marathon. You don't want to yeah, let too that excited. out too much. <laughs> that's so awesome. Do you ever think about Boston last year and like what, and no, you can't predict how you would have felt or what you would have done, but do you ever pr- think about like, Ooh, how would I've handled that situation with the weather? I do. Yeah. As far as like, you want to learn from it, you know, cause I was planning to be out there. So I'm thinking like, what would I have done to like handle this better? Um, and, and I talked to a few people that ran out there and, um, it seems like people were doing everything that they could and what I would have done and stuff. So you really don't know how you're going to handle that. Um, but I think one of the things could have been just like, if it had been a little bit quicker of a pace, like the body temperature Mm -hmm. could have been warmer. So, um, but yeah, I know it's, it's, you definitely can't predict how you're going to, you know, there's people like Shalane that train in Portland, Oregon, that's cold and rainy a lot. I think, you know, like she would be prepared for that too, but it's just, it's crazy. It just took out everyone almost. Yeah. What was it like for you as a professional who would have been in the field to see Des win that day? It was super exciting. It was emotional and just like, I don't know, just such a, a feat of like, it's hard to describe it. It's different than watching someone just like run really fast and crush something. Like it was just like a feat of perseverance and grit and like getting through those elements, you know, and especially cause I knew she had really struggled kind of leading up to that race at times. Like she didn't have like a perfect buildup and things like that. So I think it's just like seeing someone overcome and have that moment that they've really dreamed of was just really inspiring. So what, when you envision yourself running down Boylston next Monday, what do you, what do you picture in your head? Like, do you think about it? Yeah, I do. Um, I, yeah, I just picture myself like, well, I picture myself probably alone because Mm -hmm. things get strung out by then usually. And just like, just giving it my all and like being really excited about where I am. Um, so sometimes obviously I dream about what it would be like to win, but then other times I think about just like wherever I am, just like gritting it out in those last miles. And, uh, yeah, I think I know from being out there that the crowd just like carries you to at that point. So just like really using that and yeah, squeezing it out. Hey friends, a quick break to thank a sponsor for this episode. And that is Jaybird Sport. I don't know about you, but I start all my runs, most of them at least, with a podcast, and then I usually end it with some music to get me in the groove to finish a little bit stronger. So Jaybird has an updated, awesome version of their wireless headphones, the Run XT. I love the sound quality, and I love the easy charging and all that goes into this headphone. This is true audio for athletes and the Jaybird team in Park City is made up of serious runners, cyclists, and athletes. 
and they are mechanically focused on building the best wireless headphones for athletes. I think they've done just that. Right now, listeners of the show, you can receive 20% off a pair of the just-released Run XT True Wireless Headphones and free shipping through the end of April. So go to jbirdsport.com and use the code ANOTHER to take advantage of this offer. That's jbirdsport.com and use the code ANOTHER to take advantage of this offer. 20% off plus free shipping for the Run XT Wireless Headphone. And then the other sponsor I want to thank for this episode is HelloFresh. I don't know if any of you guys have used HelloFresh, but I have a few times and I really enjoy it. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Okay, I forgot that I was getting a HelloFresh delivery three weeks ago and I worked all day. It was Monday and I came home. I almost stopped at the store on the way home because I was like, what the heck am I going to feed these kids? And I get home at 5 and then Glenn usually gets home about 6.30. So I have a window where I try, I don't always, but I try to prep things so that when he gets home, things can be cooking. Well, I got home and my box was delivered and my babysitter had put all the ingredients away. And it was really exciting because I literally had three choices to choose from. The food that was all like separated and ready to go for me. They have seasonal simple recipes with pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door every week. And it's enjoyable. All meals come together in 30 minutes max, call for less than two pots and pans, and require minimal cleanup. And it's also delicious with three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family, with the option to switch between for when your tastes change. So get out of the recipe rut and start cooking outside of your comfort zone by discovering new delicious recipes. So of the recipes we got, one of them was a potato chowder soup. It was so good and it was really simple for me to make and Glenn is the cook in the family. And I even got two of my four kids, obviously the baby's not gonna eat it, but I even got two of my four kids to actually eat the soup as well, which is always a win when I can get them to eat anything that's not chicken nuggets or grilled cheese. All right, so for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, Go to HelloFresh.com slash another 80 and enter another 80. It's like receiving eight meals free or you get $20 off for your first four boxes. That's HelloFresh.com slash another 80 and use the promo code another 80. All right, let's continue my conversation with Sarah Hall. What's going on in your head for uh, the trials? Yeah, I'm excited for the trials. Um, I'm. I feel like each buildup I do, just I get better and better as a marathoner. Um, every, it's like very sequential. Like every buildup I've done, it's like my tempos are a chunk faster, my long runs are a chunk faster, and um, it, with like one exception, it was like the buildup for New York City Marathon, which was only like my second marathon or third technically. Um, that one I was I was just really tired from the whole Olympic year, so. I felt like I was a little more kind of variable, but since then everything's been very like linear. So I'm just excited to keep improving in the event and hopefully have maybe another chance in the fall and to move the ball forward even a little more. And then, and then hopefully the trials too. Yeah. So since you're someone who likes to race often, will you, you're saying you think you'll do a fall marathon? I think I will. Yeah. Especially with how little I've raced this year. Um, I think, it'll just keep me in my normal groove of what I normally do. 
Yeah, because I feel it seems like a lot of people probably won't. But then I interviewed like a Steph Bruce, a Steph Bruce. I interviewed Steph Bruce and she was, I think she's going to do a fall marathon because she's like, why not? Like I could have the best day of my career at the trials and still place fifth. Like I I want to race more. And so I want to do this fall marathon as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, of course the, the Olympics is the pinnacle of our sport. And so like everything's pointing towards the trials, but you also can't make it only about that, you know, like you, I think that this sport is about so much more than that. I think we kind of do it a disservice if we treat it like that's the only thing that matters. Cause that's what we're trying to get the fans not to do Yeah, <laughs> is act like that's the only thing that matters. So from the elite point of view, we need to like also really value the, the other races leading up. Okay. I love that you said that. Cause I was just thinking about this in a, an earlier conversation, like, do, what do you think as an elite runner, like, what do you think we can do? Uh, people like me who are, you know, interviewing people, but just like fans of the sport, people who are competing competitively, like what can we do to get people excited year round, not just like every four years when the Olympics comes around? Yeah, I think just good storytelling, whether that's, yeah, like what you're doing is awesome. What, like what we can do as athletes through our own social media and just continuing to expose people to what events there are that are amazing. Like world cross country was such a crazy course and like a crazy event, but so amazing to watch. You know, I watched it. Um, and so, yeah, I think just, um, more exposure is important. And then, um, I think just like having people run, continue to run really well, like American distance running is at a whole new level. So it makes it fun to root for the Americans because everywhere we go, we're in metal contention. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. Um, can I read the, the, this Instagram post that you posted? Cause I really like it. Sure. Okay. You say I race to find the limits of my potential because I love the process of crafting something because it's fun to partner with God on something. I don't race to prove myself, to gain love or approval for money, to gain a following for identity. Know your why. So did you just come up with that? I mean, I feel like you do a really good job at all of those things, but it's not without thinking about it. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love thinking about the why of what I'm doing. And um, and yeah, that that just hit me one day. Like I was just, I was, I think sometimes like you notice the opposite at times, like someone has like a chip on their shoulder and they're like, they're like trying to prove themselves. And, and I remember at times in my career where, I felt like I needed to prove myself or I felt this kind of like negative pressure and how that actually was detrimental to my running, you know, and being on the other side of it, like I'm 14 years into my career now. And, um, just knowing the freedom that comes when you're driven by love for what you're doing, love for other people, like positive things, um, love for God. I feel like I'm enjoying my career the most I ever have and feel the most free because, like, I don't care about some of those things that are negative and like, you, you know, that you easily can get bogged down with before. So, and a lot of that is just God's spirit working in me over the years and, um, and freeing me up in those areas to like, not care as much what people think and like, just like be authentic to who he created me to be. And so, so yeah, I don't know. I like to share those things once in a while, just to like get people thinking about like what, it, why it is that they do what they're doing and, and like how to be driven by like positive things. 
Yeah, you also wrote a blog post similar, like it, a longer version, it seemed almost, of that. I don't know when it was. I read it randomly. You tweeted it, and I just happened to stumble upon it on Twitter one day, and I read it. And it spoke to me because it you were really just talking about, like, what is the purpose? And, like, why are you really doing this, you know? And I think you were even, and correct me if I'm wrong, but were you talking about even, like, just kind of turning down even, like, opportunities where people like maybe I would interview or you or something that's like why am I what's my purpose like why would I engage in this interview what is the purpose of this and like having a reason behind doing it other than um the notoriety or what you know whatever you might call it yeah I think especially just as elites like it's easy to fall into kind of self-promotion you know or especially social media and stuff it's like look at me or like trying to like make yourself look good or or like I don't know. So I, I definitely feel conviction from that, from God that like, that's not Mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to be about. And so I really try to shy away from, from like self-promotion in general and try to really like, I, even I was praying about this morning, like, how do I serve the people that follow me? Like, how is like what I'm sharing legitimately, like to help encourage them. And it's not like really about making myself like look good (laughs) in the process or something. So, um, so that's my goal. I mean, I'm not perfect at it. I'm human. And like, we all love like praise and applause from people and stuff, but, um, but that's my heart and my goal. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that everybody can, could really benefit from thinking about it in that way. Do you, you know, obviously, you know, what blog post I'm talking about then, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the what your response was like, okay, that's what, yeah, that's what I was talking about. I should have pulled it up beforehand, but I just thought of it after I read that Instagram post. Um, no, yeah, it's so, it's so true because it's like, well, what are we doing this for in, in the first place? Not just running, but like, why do I have an Instagram account in the first place then, you know? <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah, I think it's like, like the, I, I know for myself, it's like, if you get addicted to kind of other people's praise and approval, like then it's like you constantly need that versus like, and then if you have a bad race or whatever, like you're crushed because it's like all of a sudden that's gone. But I think the more you can kind of be like, God, I'm doing this like for you and to worship you. And that just kind of frees you up that like lose or win, like that's constant. Like his love is, is constant and the people that matter most to you. Well, yeah. And at some point, like professionally, you'll hang it up. So then it's like, well, if you've constantly been seeking that approval of people, what I just feel like that would be a really difficult transition. But I don't know the way you talk about wanting to race like Yuki. I feel like you're going to be racing Boston in your 50s and just like killing master's records after (laughs) master's records. Yeah, I don't know. It'll probably depend where I'm living because I kind of see myself living in Ethiopia um, at some point when I'm done. But but I still have I'll have this like need to race and do stuff. So I'll be trying to mix it up with with them there and races or or in Europe or something. (laughs) Do you think having kids has changed your perspective on on racing and how you think about that? Or is I have has that changed at all? Um, I'd say a little bit just like I sometimes I picture myself as I'm racing, like I, and I know they're watching me, you know, and it's like, it makes me think about, um, the way I go about racing and like, like just wanting what I want to emulate to them, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's before I'm, I'm, I wasn't as much thinking about like what I look like out there, you know, like how I'm executing my race is more like just 
like internal, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's been really fun to see my daughter actually just, she, um, she became a state champion in cross country last fall and just is still on fire racing track this season. And just seeing her attitude inspires me because she's, she just kind of, it's very simple to her. Like, she's like, this is only like eight laps. I'm just going to like go out and crush it. And like, she's just like, you know, she doesn't have as much of, she doesn't know times or like comparing herself to other people or like kind of all these things. Like she's just very free to like go out and just push herself to the max with no kind of external baggage. And I think like sometimes when you've been in this sport a long time, like you have these like preconceived notions of like, I want to run this time and I want to be like in the top of this and blah, 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 you know, versus just like getting out and, and running really gritty. So you guys moved to Flagstaff. Did she win state in Arizona or have you moved since then? I don't know when you moved. Yeah, we moved um, in June actually. Um, okay. And yeah, so she uh, is Arizona state champ. Man. So just like, I don't know super uh, deep details about cross country in high school anymore. Um, but is that, I mean, she just, she won state in cross country. Like she's the state champion. She is. They have different divisions. I okay. think there's four divisions, but she is. And then she went on to play second in the Southwest region to qualify for the nationals. Wow. Um, so yeah, she keeps making these big, I mean, she's only three years into running. So she, she's making big jumps every year and getting recruited by colleges and wow. it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Where is she in the lineup of the girls? She's the oldest. Okay. She's the oldest. So is she 15? She, well, she's 18 actually, because we started her a little, um, younger in school because she had never been to school. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so she's a junior in high school, but has been going to school three years. So it's quite difficult. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What are the odds though, that Ryan and Sarah Hall, I mean, this obviously is not like a genetic gift that you've passed on to her. So like, what are the odds that you, uh, adopt a child and raise a child that is so talented, just like you guys? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, people say that sometimes, but I think, you know, obviously, she has the Ethiopian talent sure. um, and like the body type that, um, that you've, you've come to know with Ethiopian runners. But, you know, I think a lot of it is just hard work. Like she mm-hmm. works way harder than any high school kids recently that I've seen, you know, and I think you can just get so far doing that, that I think a lot of times we attribute a lot to talent, but it's like, her, I remember my, my team in high school, like they, they went from not even making it to state to winning state in one year, basically just having everyone kind of buy in and like, Mm. just work a little bit harder, you know? And I feel like the, the difference from being like good to great in high school is really small. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to see like what the limits of her potential are as she continues to train. That's a really interesting perspective. Do you, do you think that her seeing mom, be a professional marathoner and, and distance runner, like seeing your drive and your motivation. And like you said, how you carry yourself in races. Do you think that's probably taught her a lot just by watching? She says that. Yeah. And, and I hope, I hope so. Um, I think even going through these injuries was, was really good for them to see because, you know, I was having to like sweat it out on the bike Mm -hmm. or like do these things that aren't very fun. And, and, and I'm, like around them more like, whereas they're not usually out on my hard workout scene, 
me go through it, but they could see me like biking really hard. And <laughs> yeah. And, and she talks about, and you can see it. Like she, she mimics a lot of the things I do, like Aww. the different strength stuff. And like, so I think, um, that's been really good. Cause I really want my, especially they're all girls. Like I want them to be like strong women that can, that know what it is that they want to go for. And like, really like work hard to go for it. There's, there's this phrase birchy in Amharic and it means be strong. And it's what these, these runners say to each other, uh, when, when you're getting tired and dropping off or something, they'll be like birchy. And, uh, so that's like a, a common household phrase in our, in our house. We're saying that about a lot of things, not just like physical, but like, you know, get your homework done, like do what you need to do, like be strong. <laughs> I love that. Is that their, is that their language from where they're from? It is. Yeah. That's Amharic. 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 Is that how you say it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I remember talking to you originally. So when we talked in 2016, you must have been, were you just a year into motherhood? Because what year did you adopt them? Um, We adopted them in the fall of 2015. Okay. So you were uh, pretty new still. Yeah. A little over a year, maybe. Wow. Well, so I launched my podcast in April, 2016. So I must've interviewed you within the first couple of weeks though, because you were early, man. So gosh, it's just crazy thinking in those three years since we first talked and you were such a new mother, then like, what is, what has changed most for you as far as what you've learned in those three years? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to pinpoint, but it's been challenging. Like I, I thought it would kind of get easier with time, but I feel like in some ways it's kind of gotten more challenging. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just figuring out how, how really to connect with my kids is, is really like, it's like you can take care of them and like get all their basic needs met and stuff. That's just like the start, you know, but how to like really like connect, have like deep connections with them, you know, is like, I just feel like motherhood is like really humbling. Like you just learn a lot about yourself and I just realize how more and more I need like God's spirit because it's like love, joy, peace, patience, like all these things that come with him, like is what you need for motherhood. Like so much patience, you know, like I have, I have one daughter that's like, she comes home from school and she's does not stop talking until bedtime. Like she, it's like, she's a total verbal processor, everything. And, and in school you have to be like quiet and sit there. So she comes home and she just like explodes for like the entire time, (laughs) you know? And then there's like another one that's like very internal and like, I can't, you know, sometimes I can't figure out how to like really like connect with her because she's like totally inside and like, you know, we don't have as many shared like interests. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's just like, the challenges change, you know, and it's your expectations go up. Like at first our expectations were like so low because we were like, wow, they're like on this alien planet and they're like functioning really well. This is like incredible. We didn't, we thought they'd be like, just, you know, have a really hard time. But then, um, yeah, but doing, we're doing our best. (laughs) Is the language, how are they doing with the English? Is the language barrier? How's that going? Really well. Yeah. Less, less and less, especially the younger ones are like basically fluent. So it's just the oh, older awesome. ones that they're still doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with parenthood, it's like, um, my oldest is six, so different phase of life, but, uh, just gosh, when he's acting out or things are think, you know, he's just like acting what I feel like feels crazy. 
I've lately been trying to just like step back and process it. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. why might he, instead of like getting mad and lashing out, which I've done and do too many times, I try to like step back and process like, why might he be acting out right now instead of just assuming he's choosing bad behavior for no reason? And like this morning, for instance, it was happening. I could see it happening. And I, he was going back to school today for the first time after two weeks off from spring break. And it's like, that's what it is. And Mm. so it's like, try to like pull him aside from all the other kids, look him in the eye and like talk going back to school with him through instead of lashing out, like, why are you acting like this? What's going on? You know, like look him in the eye and try to understand why he's making those decisions. But man, it's hard. Yeah, that's really good. But yeah, you learn, you learn so much. And like, my kids have been so good at extending grace to me and stuff in the process. <laughs> yes. But. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the first mom that's asked their kids for forgiveness because I've yelled for no reason. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> totally. Okay. Last couple questions about Boston and I'll let you get going. Um, what, you know, what, what's something you can share with my listeners who many of them might also be running or running a different spring race? Like, what are you thinking about? Cause I know you're excited. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just going to be thinking that this is like the reward for, for the training, the running training, but also like the cross training, you know, that I had to undergo to get to this point, which is like so much more miserable than the running training. Um, and I think like some people, they, the nerves kind of get in the way of seeing the race as like the fun part and the reward. But for me, it really is like, I loved a race and, um, I actually, um, an image I like to tell people that, um, that a sports psychologist once told our college team was about, um, going on a sled dog run, which actually Ryan and I were able to do this winter in, in, uh, Norway. But, um, when you walk out there, the dogs are all chained up and they just start going crazy because they want to be the ones like mm. pick to pull the sled and like do what they were created to do. And, and that was what happened. And even when we were out there on the run, if we stopped, the dogs would just start like barking at you and getting mad at you because like, they just wanted to run so bad. And I love that image of like, instead of like the nerves, like being excited to like get out there and like be picked to get to do this. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, and then just thinking back on like all that I overcame to get to the line and like, um, yeah, some of those hard cross training sessions that were like so much harder than anything I would do in running, um, that, that prepared me for, for what I'm going to face. I love that. You know, when I talked to, this is about the trials, not Boston, but when I talked to Shalane on this podcast, she teed you up for one of her top three picks for, for the trials. Just, just letting you know. <laughs> oh, I'm honored. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, me too. I am so behind you. I'm so excited. Um, what, one last question. What, what are your thoughts on the new standard, by the way, for the, um, the trials? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I, when I read them, I was like, wow, these are really hard, but the one event it doesn't affect that much. I feel like is the women's marathon. <laughs> Cause you guys are so deep. Yeah. The depth is so crazy. I mean, it, it is like very short timing to, to run something like that if people weren't planning to run a fall. Um, so that's a little bit tricky with a course that, that is a really difficult course yeah. that you're not maybe necessarily going to run it on the day, but, um, but yeah, you know, I just, I've learned since being on the track for a long time prior to being in a marathon, I like, that was just always the case. Like you had to run the trial, the standard before the trials mm-hmm. and 
that was always like a big focus was like getting that done. And they were challenging standards then for me. And so I guess I've, I've just always kind of been like, all right, like, let's, what do we need to do to get it done and not waste too much energy on getting worked up about it? <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, too, does breaking 230, I know it's like 229.30. I mean, is, is there a mental piece to that as well? Do you think, I mean, as someone who has broke 230, if you hadn't, is there a mental side to that? Like, how could I actually make the Olympic team if I haven't broke 230 or am I making that up? Um, that's not really something I've like thought about too much, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it can affect how the trials go if, if some people don't have the standard and then their only chance of making it is getting it on the day that could mean there's people more willing to like push the pace early in the race or yeah. so. Yeah. That's like if that's their one shot, whereas you, instead of like just racing for the top three, some people might have to just like go all out and see if they can hang. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of like, yeah, that kind of throws a wrench in the race really. Oh man. <laughs> um, so you, in, you have Boston and a fall marathon. So basically like everybody out on the field for the trials, you all have to have run that sub two thirty this year. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it's before, or at the trials. Yeah, it's it's by the end of the trials. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm not totally sure because I think they're still deciding. That was like the last we heard, but it's like, it's kind of still under revision, I guess. There's a chance they could go off like the, the rankings, which I don't even understand the ranking system, but they could take like two with the standard and one either with the standard the next one with the standard or ranked a certain height in the rankings. I I think, I think they're kind of like making the final decision soon. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Um, all right, Sarah. Well, I thank you for doing this. Thanks for chatting with me. So close to Boston. This was so fun. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, and you'll be out there. So I'll see you there. Oh man. I will be way, way back. I'm like, seven months postpartum so it's not going to be like super pretty for me but oh my gosh good for you I will be there and I will be just like walking through the water stops and just enjoying the scene so you guys have so much fun and um also enjoy Cancun thank you yeah have a great race okay you too I'll be cheering for you thanks so much bye Sarah bye all right everybody thanks so much for listening today thank you Sarah for coming on the show and sharing with us your journey to the start line in Hopkinton this year. We are all so excited for you. You guys can follow along Sarah. She's on Instagram, Sarah Hall 3. She always has inspiring and encouraging posts. I just love how she is doing life. You guys can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. And I'm, you guys can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. And you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine and Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. If you're loving the show, I would appreciate it so much if you would consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen as that is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. Thank you so much for listening today. Thanks for being here and continuing to support the show. I appreciate you guys so much. Best of luck in Boston or whatever spring race you might be doing this weekend. Have a wonderful Friday, a great rest of the weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.